fucking fired up here, Lily. Bring the rackets. <laughs> Another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout leader Dustin Lays with Beef, across from me in the clubhouse today. This is Denim Wall, otherwise known as Smoking Dart. I'm also the Troop's historian. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, aka Chief, runs with bands. Let's kick this meeting off like we do the rest with the Straight Arrow Oath. For those of you in scout uniform, three finger salute. Those at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart. And repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow knows never trust a vegetarian. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? Wimatanya! Wimatanya! What are you drinking on today, Miles? I, it's... Stanley Park layer up winter wheat ale. I opened it with such vigor, my thumb went into it, like up to the knuckle. <laughs> I'm thirsty. I look- sure wish I was drinking another one of those because I just finished one you gave me and it was delicious. I, uh, I in a moment of weakness today, while I was listening to Leonard Skinner like all day, <laughs> working on my workbench, I uh, I went for the cheap beer, the lager. I went for the Lucky Lager. Cheap domestic. It, it's a good choice when you don't have enough time to make a real choice. Yeah, but I had a lot of time, and I drank beer all day today, <laughs> so like, I probably should have gone with something with a bit more flavor to it. I'm really regretting that uh, you only brought six of those ones. I know, I know. That was like, Lucky Lager was like our official beer of like the first season. Like I'm pretty sure that's what we yeah. drank exclusively, yeah. and now we're snobs. Well, now we got merch, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We all quit our jobs. I was, I was wondering, because like, my dad only likes to drink this kind of beer. But, like, my dad is also the kind of drinker to only have, like, a few beers, like, after work. I wonder if beer was never meant to taste so good as it does. (laughs) You have to earn the lucky. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, I'm a beggar, so I can't be a chooser. I have a lucky beer as well. There's hop circles in there. Yeah, I know. There's plenty, and they keep building up. They give you three every box. (laughs) So before we get into this episode, let's go right into our listener feedback segment where we get some feedback from our our fans and our listeners and uh, maybe some corrections that we have had or things we might have missed. First, I want to address... Oh, can I take this one? Yeah. The feedback. Yeah, the the, the actual feedback in the last episode. Um, So I had a theory when we moved into our new clubhouse. We also acquired some new equipment. We were getting some weird noises, and I said... Hey guys, maybe we shouldn't have phones at the table. And then they were all like, "Nah, that can't be it." <laughs> and uh, all it took is one other guy to say that. And now <laughs> they fucking the phones are in the closet. <laughs> well, uh, let's see if it fixes it. So I, I hate to say I, I hate to say a totoso, but I fucking a totoso. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I get it. I should have listened. But the second bit of feedback that we have is from uh, a very well-known man from the clubhouse. You may know him as. At Andy J Pro, but we know him as the real Pete Zandy. Oh, Pete Zandy. <laughs> Pete Zandy, that's right. He tweeted us, and he wanted to say, uh, in response to Little Pond's Ponders, 
Uh, this, I believe, was a couple episodes ago. It's too bad. And maybe this is why Little Pond didn't want to be on this episode. Oh, because he knew that there was... <laughs> he was worried about getting called out. Yeah, so he wanted to uh, clear up uh, the flat tax concept. So he says a flat tax is a concept where everyone is taxed at the same percentage rate, regardless of income, countered with most countries' progressive tax structure, where the more you make, the larger uh, percentage your income paid. Uh, we, we didn't know what a flat tax was, so he cleared it up. I appreciate you doing that, Pete Sandy. Uh, Miles, you're in favor of flat tax. Why are you talking about that? Fucking communist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do taxes. I'm like DMX. <laughs> well, shit, thank you for bringing some actual knowledge into the clubhouse. I also wanted to shout out at Texas Wildflower 77 on Instagram. She uh, commented on our latest photo of the clubhouse getting together uh, on Boxing Day. <laughs> oh, that was a good time. That was fun. That was, a good time. That was fun. And uh, she had the funniest thing to say about the tip of the spear. She said, the tip of the spear looks like my ex-husband. Those guys all kind of look alike. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've seen the picture and know who the tip of the spear is, you'd get it. He's the one in the mustache. <laughs> he shows up to party with us, but he won't, come, won't touch a microphone since we fired his bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, you're welcome back anytime if you're listening. Uh, so that's uh, about it for our listener feedback segment. So thank you guys for reaching out to us and, and, and you know interacting with us. It really makes this a lot of fun. So without any further ado, let's get into the episode info from our historian. So yeah, this is uh, the 37th overall episode of King of the Hill. It was first aired on September 22nd, 1998. Uh, the episode was written by Norm Hiscock and directed by Cindy Tang Loveland. We've heard those names a couple times now. Yeah, uh, Cindy Tang, she, well, she's sometimes credited as Sydney Tang. She is also known for directing The Unbearable Blindness of Laying and uh, Junkie Business before this one. So two, like... Heavy hitters, yeah, we'd big, call them. Big, big ones. Um, Norm Hiscock, does anybody want to remember the last one he did? Because it wasn't that long ago. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. And I don't remember his name. Was it the, uh, Life in the Fast Lane, Bobby Saga? No. The one after, Propane Boom Part 1. It was Propane Boom Part 1. Nice. Yes. I believe he went on to do, like, Parks and Rec and everything. Right, right. We um, talked about him. Yeah, he, he's a good, good dude. This episode does feature a guest star. We'll get to that. We will get to that. This is the second episode of season three, but as far as uh, production code goes, this is actually the first episode of season three that they like worked on as season three because the last one was a two-parter. They had worked on both the mm. part one and part two uh, at like in the previous. That makes sense. Doing while you're kind of fresh in your mind. And so for this one, the showrunners for this season, the showrunners starting with this episode. Uh, were is now Greg Daniels and Richard Apple. Apple? A P P E L. I'm gonna say Apple. Yeah, Apple? Apple's easy to say. Yeah, anyway, um this episode's called uh And They Call It Bobby Love, which is obviously a play on the Paul Anka song. And they called it Bobby Love. Oh, I guess they'll never know. This is, yeah, this is a song written by Paul Anka. Um, he actually has a title, O.C., after his name, which stands for the Order of Canada. 
the OC is a Canadian national order and the second highest honor for merit in the system of orders, decorations, and medals of Canada. Last on that list is the Order of the Straight Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> the first on that list is the Order of Merit. To coincide with the centennial of Canadian Confederation, the three-tiered order was established in 67 as a fellowship that recognizes the outstanding merit or distinguished service of Canadians who make a major difference to Canada through lifelong contributions in every field of endeavor, as well as the effort by non-Canadians who have made the world better by their actions. Uh, so it's kind of like so being knighted, in, but we, we don't... A I mean, Canadian we have version? A queen, but yeah, I guess it's just like not as good as being knighted. I mean, this song changed my life. Yeah, oh, Paul Anka has written a lot of songs that are quite famous. Um, he was born in Ottawa, Ontario, in 1941. And I'm wondering why he's getting these Canadian awards. Yeah, he's a Canadian man um, of, uh, of Syrian descent. And um, yeah, he's. Uh, this song, called Puppy Love, was released in February 13th, 1960, and reached number two on the Billboard Top 100. What good timing, Paul. <laughs> February 13th? <laughs> the day before Valentine's Day? Yeah. Paul Mark <laughs> um, Donny Osmond recorded a version of this song in 1972. Wasn't he in The Sixth Sense? No, that was Joel Osmond. Joel Haley. Joel Haley. <laughs> okay, so this is good. I loved, I loved this little bit about this song. So the Donny Osmond version, recorded in 72, um, was played on repeat for 90 minutes straight by DJ Robert W. Morgan on a Los Angeles radio station. DJ Robert W. Were they hurting for Canadian content? (laughs) No, no. They just have to hit their quota. Well, this is in L.A. Why? In Hollywood. Did he say for a reason? And this was by Donny Osmond. Oh. Um, so unless he recorded it in Canada. I it doesn't right hit the requirements. It hits the two of the three. But um, he, the DJ just got so fucking sick of fans requesting it constantly that he decided to play it over and over and over and over and over until everyone got sick of hearing it. That is ruthless. <laughs> but <laughs> that didn't... That didn't that, stop him. <laughs> that wasn't actually no. It went. It went. It like went gold the next week. Did he week. just like lock himself in the DJ booth like the Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> well, put his feet up and let him play. Well, the question that you just asked was a lot. Was a question a lot of listeners of the radio station asked. They asked it to the LAPD. They said <laughs> they thought something was going horribly wrong <laughs> at the radio station. I think they're getting murdered because they keep playing the same. Tony Osmond's in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the booth. <laughs> yeah. The LAPD, <laughs> like, raided... So, like, the movie Airheads, basically. Yeah. The LAPD raided the radio station... No. ...and made no arrests and were very confused. <laughs> oh, dude, no shit. They were like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just playing this fucking song because people are sick of it. They're like, all right. Well, <laughs> That's not illegal. People <laughs> called the police saying, go find out what's going on at that radio station because this isn't normal. It's not illegal, but it is frowned upon. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, ticket, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that's so that's that was that. That's that a fun episode. fact. <laughs> that's a fun ass fact. So, does that bring us to the actual episode itself? Yeah, we can get right in. <laughs> Bobby's late for school, 
And he's packing with him his lunch kit that says his name on it. <laughs> and he's running. First and last name. Like, my mom never did that. I mean, like, it also, like, it would make sense if there was, like, another kid in the house where it's like, okay, here's Denim's lunch. Here's Dustin's lunch. Take your lunch. Yeah. But it's Bobby. I'm just really well, disappointed they... that he got rid of his Mrs. Doubtfire lunchbox. Yeah, no shit. Like, yeah, that good, thing was dope. Yeah. Maybe no, special occasions only. Maybe he was running late. I mean, he was hustling. And uh, I assume that his name's on it because Hank gets a lunch made as well. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Do you think Hank brown bags it? Yeah, he's good old-fashioned working, man. Yeah. yeah. Never know. Well, anyway, he was uh, late for class, so he stopped by the 14-year-old hallway monitor, Marie. Does she have a last name? Just Marie. Just Marie? Mm-hmm. Marie Vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, kid, where's your hall pass? You got me. My name is Ramon Tavares. I'm in Mr. Powell's class. Ramon Tavares? And why does your lunch bag say Bobby Hill? Because we can't spell Ramon. (laughs) What did I say? (laughs) All right, get going, Ramon. Bobby Hill? Yeah. Oh, you're good. So as Denna mentioned in his episode info bit, there is a celebrity guest, and uh, she is the voice of Marie. Uh, Marie is voiced by none other than Sarah Michelle Gether, who uh, got her start in the early 1980s starring in Burger King commercials. She went on to become one of the most recognizable actresses in the 1990s with notable roles in I Know What You Did Last Summer, Scream 2, Cruel Intentions, Scooby-Doo, The Grudge 1 and 2, and probably what she's recognized... uh, Scoopy doo too. <laughs> and probably what she's most recognizable from is starring as Buffy Summers, 145 episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, she is Buffy. She's yeah. Buffy, yes. Oh. That's Sarah Michelle Geller, not the other one. Who was I thinking of? I don't know. Velma? Ross Geller? Probably. Yeah. She Daphne started, was the hottest one. She, started, the, I mean, she yeah. was a great actress. And Daphne... Was she Daphne? She was Daphne. Daphne married oh, yeah. Fred. Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince. That guy's such a dork. They're still together. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You seen that? That uh, what is? That? I think it's in Scooby Doo One when he's just fucking grooving on the beach. <laughs> he talks. Yeah, he talks to Scooby Doo. I can't remember fucking I, I how that fucking scene goes. I tried my best <laughs> to forget everything about those movies. About, They're horrible. What about Monsters Unleashed? Yeah, that was pretty dude. dope. I think it's Scooby Doo. I watched Monsters Inc. the other day. I mean, also decent flag. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. (laughs) Billy Crystal's hilarious. And John Goodman. I just love those guys. (laughs) Okay, so how about Ramon Tavares, though? Ramon Tavares. Isn't he a hockey player? Uh, No, that's that's Jonathan Tate. He's one of the later... He's one of the Ramones, isn't (laughs) he? Yeah, you fucking... (laughs) Good one. So um, after we leave Tom Landry Middle School, we see the guys in the alley, and they are quite perplexed. They do not know what to do with themselves. <laughs> They're walking around like fucking chickens with their heads cut off because somebody dumped a couch in the alley where they stand. Don't they know we stand there? <laughs> Sports, mostly. But uh, Dale is convinced he knows who did it. I know how it got here. One of them firefighting planes scooped it up out of Lake Arlen. Man, you don't talk about them dang old urban legend with you, man. Man, you don't suck that like that fellow with that toothbrush up in that man's bottom, man. That's the whole truth, too, man, happened to me. 
Dude, what? What is Boomhauer talking about? Okay, so it's a, I'm thinking he's talking about an urban, like an urban legend, where you've heard about like how the the helicopters fly over and pick water up. I understand that part. What about the toothbrush? The toothbrush in the up his ass. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't like to talk about that. That happened to me too. I don't like. To talk about that. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was just an urban legend. Yeah, Dale, Dale's a fucking idiot. Like, the couch is going to be near the surface of this lake. Like, it's floating. <laughs> Coaches don't float, man. <laughs> no, and like, yeah. But, uh, so anyways, uh, Hank can't deal with this couch in the alley where they hang out. Because they stand there and they talk. <laughs> and so he obviously calls the city to complain. There are people who stand in that alley. We talk. Well, that's not really your business, is it? Sports, mostly. You know. <laughs> you, know. you forgot when he announces himself as Hank Taxpayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're, like, they're like... The what? city fucking forgot to pick up my garbage today, and I felt like emailing them and just saying, like, this is Denim Taxpayer. <laughs> fucking, Where's my pickup? Pick it up. Okay, that line doesn't translate as an email. You have to yell yeah. that into the phone. You just call yourself something taxpayer. Well, I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't want to talk to you either, yeah, so... Might actually be your best bet is a. And email. I mean, like... Is that just saying so if I put a couch on the side of the road, it'll just get picked up? Dude, yeah, people always do that. They're like, free couch. But I mean, like... by the city? Yeah, they actually, well, they do have um, they do have that day once a year here for our, like, pickup. It's called, like, uh, Reclaim or something. <laughs> and you just see junky, shitty furniture all over town. I had no idea about it. And I came here, like, the day of or the day after. And then I was like, oh, yeah, did you see, like, people putting their, like... You throw this out for me. Uh, for that was at my old old house. Was it? Yeah. You just did that with shit you didn't want Wait, any moved, day of the year. When exactly. I moved, when I moved, I put like an entire living room out on the curb, and it was picked up. And yeah, no, they, I think it's like recycle reclaim or something, where like they the city like encourages you to bring all your old furniture out there or whatever. If it doesn't get picked up, then they pick it up. But they that give is it, a like, day I didn't know I could participate. Oh, in. you just drive around in your truck and like just try and find like the best barbecue if somebody's trying to throw up. <laughs> God, I hope they if do it ain't chained summer. down, it's free. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is a fact. Um, so obviously he uh, doesn't get very far with the city as of yet. Uh, and we cut back to Tom Landry Middle School. And Bobby's at school and he's trying. Uh, he's he's really like hitting it off with Marie. And he's trying to impress her and all of her friends with his quote-unquote adult comedy. <laughs> you wouldn't get it. Bobby, do that walk again. Okay. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He's doing his best Arizonan. <laughs> well, I mean, he's gotten better now since he's had time with Gary. Yeah. You could tell in his voice how excited he is to impress these older kids. Because, you know, I don't think... Connie or Joseph has ever been like, Bobby, do that thing you always do. They, like, they, <laughs> but these, they never do that. No, because they've heard it a million times. I think Boomhauer is the only one <laughs> on the block who liked Boomhauer's it. Boomhauer's on the up and up. He gets, he gets adult humor. It's adult humor, Connie. I don't even get some of it. <laughs> but yeah, we start to see here Connie be a little... Uh, a little Jelly. jealous. I don't know if that's Dude, exactly yet, but she starts to see something's going on. She's taking notice. Is, she is. That's what it is. Because she does that whole, like, what's so funny? Like, yeah. And that only happens, you know, when she doesn't approve mm -hmm. or wants to be in on the joke and feels excluded. Because I feel like that's how it kind of starts out is, like, 
yeah, my friend's got a new friend and like what's up with that yeah she's like no bobby does that for me like yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and uh after uh bobby talks to connie we find ourselves back in the alley again and like yeah it's, a, was, it's a bunch of quick cuts this first kind of intro it right? is and like i was laughing at like laughing at this scene not in the scene itself just like how like mundane it is and, like only king of the hill could do this like this entire scene is the guys just standing around the couch not knowing what to do with themselves <laughs> dale doesn't know where to stand because the, the couch is in his spot yeah <laughs> and then like he goes to the other side of the couch he's like what did Hank? you say something <laughs> and then all of a sudden bill sits down and he just like does like the full like dad groan like he's like yeah I'm outside I'm gonna sit on a couch and I'm drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> is this when Hank tells him? Is this when Hank says uh, we're no we're better than they are? Oh, I think it's in the prior scene when because uh, Bill finds treasures. He finds treasures. Oh, yeah. oh, that's the previous scene. Yeah. I think okay. it's the previous scene. Oh, sugar cube. Mmm. Have a little pride, Bill. Mm. If we eat their garbage, we're not much better than they are. Probably had a coffee table. <laughs> and uh, Dale is the second person to sit down. He takes a weird choice. He doesn't take the other end of the coach. He kind of sits in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and then, he so, automatically chooses bitch seat. Yeah, so, yeah, but he knows like he's the skinniest one. Mm -hmm. So he's probably sense. got a fit. Yeah, but like with the smoking, you think he'd be on the outside. Yeah, ash, uh, yeah, yeah I pull that sense. one in cars all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need front seat. Yeah, you, yeah, you do I, do that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> a lot. And then you sit in the back seat, and then you just get all the fucking smoke and ash in your face. <laughs> I know, but like if I'm like, what was it, Hankins <laughs> truck? I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna sit in the front. This is like, <laughs> yeah, last time you sat in the back, I had ash everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then I. Boomhauer, he pulls a quick one on Hank because oh, he starts yeah. to... Man, what do you do sitting like about a bunch of dang old lazy old couch jockeys lazy on sitting up like a... Hey, man, look up in the sky, man. Dang old... <sighs> man, sorry, man. I don't... Dang old Lucky Pierre, man. <laughs> lucky Pierre the strikes again. The return of Lucky Pierre. Nobody wants luck to be Lucky Pierre. But then finally Hank just... Especially not with fucking Bill in any position. <laughs> on a used couch. It's I mean... actually... It's probably... Better than a sweaty moped. <laughs> but I prefer Con over Bill. I'm sure he showers a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> Thoroughly, at least. <laughs> and then there's, like, a good, like, ten seconds of them all just sitting there. It's just, like, a single, sh like, just the camera's like just on the, on the couch. And they're all just, like, guzzling their beers and just, like, oh, it's hilarious. And it made me laugh because I remember this one time. I remember how old I was. Maybe, like, ten or eleven, something like that. But my parents were transitioning furniture. And there was this couch that we had acquired, I believe, from either our neighbor or, like, my grandparents or something. And it was, like, one of those really old, super comfy couches, but just, like, totally outdated. And then my mom, like, got it, acquired it for whatever reason. My dad was like, fuck mm -hmm. this. I don't want this. This is just, like, a dump run for me in, like, a month. <laughs> anyway, he took it out of the house and put it on our front porch, being like, okay, this weekend I'm taking it to the dump. And then it stayed there for the entire summer and, like... He would sit so on it after enough. work. I would sit on it. Like, nice. when I was hanging out, like, uh, his buddies would... coach. Yeah, it was, like, it was awesome because, like, obviously where we live, that's, like, the only time it could survive mm -hmm. is when it's dry. I mean, Texas, you got a lot more time for an outdoor couch. That that's funny because it reminds me of, like, when I would, like, so on my Facebook, the very first picture, I think, is of me and my friend Wes <laughs> pushing a couch that we found. Um, a, like down the block and around the corner to in front of our other friend's house so we could just have a couch out front of the house to sit on. We were in high school at the time. You had and hair down your ass crack. I did have <laughs> hair down my ass crack. But yeah, anyway, it was funny because like we 
just were walking past. We saw this couch and we were like, fucking A, let's take this couch. It's a good couch. <laughs> and then we took it and then we just popped it down on Kirsten's front lawn and it was mm. just in our outdoor couch down there and we just hung out. And then, and then uh, I guess because our friend put the pictures of us taking it back on Facebook, <laughs> our other friend, Dakota... Who was like, yeah, that's my fucking couch. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we took it. Like, it was sitting in front of the house. Like, yeah, it wasn't garbage. We That was our bench for when we play hockey. <laughs> he just had it in front of his house. So when they play road hockey, that was where they sat was their bench. <laughs> it was like, fucking hilarious. All right, so I got a question for the both of you. How did you keep squirrels off your couch? You got to get the squirrel repellent. I think we had a cat at this point. That makes sense. Um... And I do want to not glaze over how hilarious uh, it was to have Hank sitting down on the couch. All right. But if I don't like it, I'm standing right back up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, like, that is the most sensible and reasonable stand he could have made. But uh, it was a good good sit. Absolutely. Made a, made, they both made impressions on each other. Yeah. So uh, after the, that kind of cut back and forth between Tom Landry and the alley, we get the scene set for the entire episode. Bobby's got a crush, and the boys fall in love with a couch. And it progresses. We see Bobby in the Hill family living room with what I assume could be homework, maybe a brain teaser book, but he's deciding that he has to erase the entire page for the entire scene. He's just erasing the page. I don't think I even noticed. He's just got the eraser down, just <laughs> scribbling that eraser all over the page. And uh, they get a phone call, and it's probably the funniest phone call that the Hills have received. <laughs> well, I don't know. Dale's not on the other line. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I should say maybe one of the quickest. Hello. Hi, can I speak to Bobby, please? I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. <laughs> Who was it, Dad? Oh, girl, asking for someone named Bobby. <laughs> That's it. Like... Well, I love how I love how she actually gets through. Hello. Hi, is Bobby Hill up there? Uh, hold on a second, son. It's one of your friends playing a prank. <laughs> and then Bobby picks it up. Joseph? <laughs> hey, Joseph. <laughs> Bobby has actually one of the funniest lines, too, just after that. When he, when uh, oh, Marie, Marie, yeah. Marie invites him to go to the mall. Yeah, and he think, he's not telling a joke, but it's Bobby, so it's a fucking joke. He's just like, I mean, I did have prior engagements, but I guess I could tape it. <laughs> then, she starts laughing so hard, he, almost, he like takes like a double take of the phone. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, wow, like, that was I that say? funny. <laughs> I just really wanted to watch Dallas. Yeah. So uh, that uh, obviously, because she invites him to the mall. Before we go to the mall with Bobby and Marie, uh, we check in with the guys and their beloved coach. Yeah, and they get a they get a catchy little number while they all get their tools and they start trying to clean up and fix up this couch. And uh, the song is "I Know a Little" by, by Lenny Skinner. <laughs> uh, the song was actually written by Steve Gaines, like long before he even joined Skinner, apparently. Um, and uh, I just got a little little trivia question for you guys. Does anybody want to guess? Uh, where Leonard Skinner was formed. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Boston, Massachusetts. 
That's what I was going for. Uh, I'm going to go West Virginia. You're wrong. Way further away. Wow. Uh, no. I'll give you one more Canada? Guess. No. San Francisco. No. Austin, Texas. Dude, how are we supposed to know this yeah, shit? There's literally a million places in the world. <laughs> like, it yeah, does, you, you gave no context anywhere. to this. Least Asia, pods, Japan. Where they were formed? Okay, well, first of all, I, Ontario. I, I'm just amazed none of you said Alabama. Oh, I mean, is it Alabama? No, it's not. Well, fuck. Well, <laughs> I'm just amazed. Don't go with the obvious answer if it's going to be trivia. Fair I enough. I didn't know Skidded was in this episode until he started till I got here. <laughs> it was. It's in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, my God. West Virginia is kind of close. It is not even it is. close. Dude, you gave us the entire planet <laughs> to guess from. <laughs> he I mean, guessed a, Canada. I don't know. There's a pretty good chance it's in the south. <laughs> yeah, okay. Antarctica. <laughs> like I mean, like the capital T, the South, the dirty South, yeah, the dirty South. Anyway, I was trying to remember where they're playing. Anyway, <laughs> so, so uh, moving on. Yeah, Leonard Skinner. I mean, they're just they're just a fantastic group. <laughs> Round two. I hate big walls wonders. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, their name comes from uh, their pr- uh, their PE teacher. His name was Leonard Skinner. Mm, that at, makes sense. At their, the most of them went to the Robert E. Lee High School. Um, Robert E. Lee, why is that familiar? Uh, I've heard that before. I don't know. Fuck you. What is that? <laughs> he's a general. Come on. Or he's like... Uh, In the Confederacy. Yeah, it's uh, the song, Dixie, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Okay, well, whatever. I'm sorry that I don't know that Pretty off the sure top of my head. Doesn't Cartman play General Lee in the Civil War episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he might. Robert E. Lee, he was a, I don't know, he was like a, a yeah, Civil War American thing. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, did uh, we take his leg in the war? <laughs> <laughs> did we? <laughs> we didn't know. do shit. We might have burnt down the White House. That's about it. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh, they, uh, Ronnie Van Zant, Bob Burns, and Gary Rossington became acquainted while playing on rival baseball teams. The trio decided to jam together one afternoon after Burns was injured by a ball hit by Ronnie Van Zant. Nice. Um, and yeah, they, I mean, I just, uh, I thought that this would be fun to keep, I'm going to keep talking about Skinner <laughs> each time they come up, <laughs> and I'm certain they're going to come up again because, fuck, I love Skinner. We'll get the whole Wikipedia page by the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These are the early years. Does anybody lo- – you love Skinner? Who doesn't love Skinner? Skinner. Hell, I like Skinner. I got how about that. We got something coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like Skinner. I like Neil Young more, though. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was – this it just reminded me when I was listening because I, I was like, you know, I, was, oh, I fucking love Skinner. I've always loved Skinner. Uh, but today I was like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking run Skinner all day long. <laughs> yep. And then uh, I, I was, it started making me, it reminded me of a time when I was down in Kansas City. And like I, it was in this, uh, this area called Westport, which is like really cool, like older downtown area of KC. And uh, I went to this whiskey bar where there was this like honky tonk guy playing by himself up on stage. Just like. Nice playing music and then i went to a piano bar the next next door that was a dueling piano it was a dueling grand pianos it was sweet you you wrote 
on the on the dollar bill or your tip, you wrote the song you wanted to hear, put it in the fishbowl, on the, and the guy picked it up, and then, like, just off the top of their heads, these guys would learn these songs. They would, like, always, they'd pull up their phones to get the lyrics, and, like, and maybe, like, the keys or something. But, yeah, they would, like, go through and play these songs. It was amazing. That's impressive. That's nice. It was really impressive. Uh, and then there was a punk bar next door where... What? Yeah. <laughs> so your night could just progress. Like, <laughs> like... Dude, it was... Yeah. It was denim nights of wonder. <laughs> it, was. it was awesome. There was like, yeah, like old school, like country at one bar. The next one was dueling pianos. And then there was this punk bar. And like, yeah, it was just like, it was fucking amazing. I love this city. I love this town. This go is Chiefs. great. Uh, yeah, yeah, go Hawks. <laughs> go um, Hawks. That's actually that was why we were there was we went for a Seahawks game. Um but yeah, you and the Chiefs game. Yeah, the Chiefs did win. But um anyway, they uh I so anyway, like later on I took an Uber home. As one was, does. Yeah, as one does. And my uh the driver, he said he was from Iraq. Him and his brother had moved to America and he was, and I told him I was Canadian, so he was all like, oh, the one thing, the first thing me and my brother discovered about America was there's three things that make America. Baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet. <laughs> and this was like a week after Kansas City was in the uh, World Series uh, and lost, I think, to the Indians. Um, but yeah, and I was like, uh, I don't know, man. I think the three things that make America are... Football, Leonard Skinner, and I gave him Chevrolet. I we <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you're not and, one of them Ford guys, are you? <laughs> and yeah, and I I mean because I don't know, man. To me, I think Skinner are like the quintessential American group. They're just like there's other bands that kind of do. Do they have an album without the Confederate flag on it? <laughs> I don't actually don't think any of them actually have the Confederate flag, but they all bleed the Confederate flag. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, but yeah, like I mean, like ZZ Top or the Almond Brothers, kind of, you know, were that are also that Southern bluesy rock. But I just think Skinner like took that and like the three guitars, like the triple threat, and like just fucking wail. Like they're just they are Southern rock. Like they are, they are uh, they just do wail. They, they are just wail. America. I think just like packaged up and put on wax, like. All right, so we've got about ten minutes of Skinner talk. I don't know <laughs> if we can hold on to any more. <laughs> we can't. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so we will wrap this up and uh, just give me three steps next time. <laughs> Come back. I don't know. I'm working on a name for this segment. The Skinner segment. Give more Skinner. More Skinner. This is two Skinner in a row. Did we talk about what the guys are doing while Skinner's playing? <laughs> I don't uh, think we did. No. Well, I was just fucking rocking. I'm sorry. No, it, yeah. it's okay. So, it's okay. I mean, they're souping up the couch. That's right. Bill's got his leaf blower out. Yeah, they got it up on jacks. Like uh, Boomhauer's <laughs> underneath it, like wrenching on it as Dale's keeping him hydrated. Yeah, I, and mean, I think I, Hank takes the cushions so he can find out yeah. and make him squirrel proof. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the like the whole like jacking it up was trying to reinforce where Bill was gonna sit. <laughs> <laughs> he was on Bill's side. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see that. 
Bill got a new leaf blower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he did. This must be an American-made one because it fucking <laughs> hauls. Is that a John Deere? That's so, yeah. That's such a, a good callback. That is yeah. so good. It's not that little bonsai bush push. <laughs> push You're just wash. pushing it with the <laughs> nozzle. <laughs> meant to push the little bonsai. Yeah. From Kane uh, oh, Scredenberg. Um, yeah, so after that. That's not the first callback to Kane Scredenberg in this episode. We'll get there later. No, he's not. Yeah, and. Uh, See, after that silky smooth uh, Skinner montage, we see Bobby at the mall with his older friends. And they're at the food court. They're deciding what to get. This is when Marie announces to Bobby she's a vegetarian. Oh. And I don't well, think. Well, it seems like all her friends are. Yeah. Meat is murder. The kid in the football jersey fucking probably take that jersey off. <laughs> Disrespecting <laughs> steak sauce. Hey, he did. he's a kicker. Yeah. Uh, he looked way too big to be the kicker. He was pretty big. But um, yeah, they're. And 72 is an O line number. Yeah, you're not wrong. He was big. He was wrong. big. Um, yeah, so Bennett, they're trying to order their food. Um, Bobby wants a BLT, but Marie goes on a tangent about how that the average person eats 500 chickens. And I have something to say about this, because I looked it up and that number seemed wrong. Sorry, remind refresh me what the so actual. So she says like the average person eats 500 chickens. But there's no context. Like, no. She doesn't say. She doesn't say a year or anything, but she says that that is enough to feed an entire starving town, but they should need it anyway because that's bad. But I looked it up, and the average person will eat during their lives 7,000 animals. Okay, fair enough. 2,400 of them are chickens. chickens. Have you ever wondered when you eat chicken wings and you're like, okay – so yes, I've thought about that. You're like, <laughs> okay, there's four, there's four wings per chicken, yeah, right? Yeah. And then like, where does the rest of it go? And you're just like looking Nuggets. at it, and you're like, okay, tw- like I got like <laughs> two dozen wings here. I'm not gonna math, but that's like boatload of chicken wings. Dude, it's thirty cent wing night. Every motherfucker <laughs> in the bar has got just like <laughs> baskets stacked to right? the ceiling. It's like yeah, it's like, just... yeah. So that's what I mean. 500 seemed light. 2,400 is accurate. Mm-hmm. They also eat 11 cows, 27 pigs, 80 turkeys, 30 sheep, and 4,500 fish. 80 turkeys? Uh, I mean, how many Thanksgivings do you go through? The average person goes But, I mean, if you wanted uh, it to 40, you'd have 80 because, I mean, you get one on Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. But do you eat a whole turkey? Well, I mean, what's the context? The thing died for you. But, uh, I mean, Christmas isn't a guaranteed turkey. So, what, do I eat one-sixth of a turkey a year? I mean, maybe. Probably not. I don't know, Denim. I don't know how much turkey you eat. I don't keep, I'm not in control of your diet. Anyways, that was just what USA Today reported. So, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get on to the real business. When I say T, you hold it tight. But when I say RT, hold it real tight. Okay, so Litter Skinner in 1973. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have the BLT, please. That has bacon, Bobby. Bacon doesn't have a head on it. Could you make that an LT, please? <laughs> oh, Ouch. Well, he's going to have to choke through that lettuce-tomato sandwich. Yeah, he literally has to choke through it. It's funny that, um, like, at this time, vegetarians were, like, like the thing that everyone made fun yeah, of. Like, yeah. Now it's vegans, right? Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's the next Marie step. was, like, the precursor. It's like, yeah, you're annoying now, but just give it 20 <laughs> <Sure>. years. <laughs> I mean, it was all it was all downhill after Morrissey. Yep. Meat is murdered. <laughs> that night after the mall, uh, Marie's walking Bobby home, 
and they are walking down the alley, and they spy upon the couch. I like and Bobby's holding her bags for her <laughs> yeah. shopping bag. Oh, I think I think he doesn't have the bo- the bags in this one. I think it's in the next time. It's right, when Bobby right, wants right, yeah. her to kiss him. Right. This time, she just like, oh, a couch. Let's sit on it. And Bobby's like, okay. And then uh, they just sit there for like two seconds, and then she's like, well, want to kiss? And Bobby has this uh, elaborate uh, explanation of how, you know, he's not sure. He'll try anything once, just like fruit pies. Because they're like fruit pies. Uh, and so they kiss. And he is just frozen in his seat after she gets up and leaves to go home. And he's it's just got his hands so curled. Weird. And he's like, eh. And he's frozen. <laughs> yeah, he reminds me of Gimpy from Undergrads. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> That's a good show. Yeah, do you remember what Gimpy looked like with no, his No, I never forget what Gimpy looked yeah, like. Yeah, so Bobby was held in that position on the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was Marie thinking? She totally... Praying upon that young boy. Yeah. And they call it puppy love. <laughs> so the next day, Bobby is just like the happiest he's ever been in his entire life. He's talking there. He's at breakfast with his mom and dad. And Hank and Peggy are both like... Yeah. like tired still and she's like here's your coffee sweet meat and any attention to and bobby's like did you guys see the sunrise this morning (laughs) wait you know what i noticed she doesn't call him sweet pea she calls him sweet meat sweet meat (laughs) (laughs) i love it but yeah he wakes up like he just got laid for the first time ever (laughs) (laughs) and he just keeps referring like like comparing everything to marie yeah it's like no his girlfriend yeah his his girlfriend marie (laughs) and hank's reading the paper and he's like, oh, they, they finally decided to get rid of that old oak tree in the middle of the ball field. Yeah. <laughs> and Bobby's like, I don't know how Marie feels about that. I'll ask her. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy's like, okay, I'll bite. Uh, you keep saying the word girlfriend. I actually really like Peggy in this episode. She made me laugh. Yeah, Peggy, I liked, I liked her. Yeah, like, especially she like me... when she like feels threatened yeah. by Bobby. <laughs> yeah, like, we have done stuff like, you wouldn't even dream of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, when the the term girlfriend gets thrown around, Hank, you know, he perks up and he's like, "Wait, she's real, right? Like he's she's not off a cereal <laughs> box." <laughs> I love it. He's like, well, all right, son. Yeah. Does he mean like a cutout? Like, uh, what? <laughs> well, I mean, it is Bobby, and, you know, he did make out with a plastic head. Yeah, mm-hmm. he definitely did. It'd be like the infatuation, like, he had with that gymnast, the Valentine's uh, Day. Carrie you know, Strug. Strug. It'd be like him being in love with, like, a Wheaties, like, spokesperson. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, last week, we were talking about Carrie Strug. And now you got this senior admirer, probably Carrie Strug. <laughs> I think Peggy takes the most mom approach of it all time. She's yeah. like, yeah, I was like, I'm assuming Marie's your girlfriend, just as Joseph is your boyfriend. <laughs> like, wait, like, come on. Yeah. But, um, but I think before we can get any farther, the hills are interrupted. By Dale, who comes kind of, you can see his hat bobbing over the fence, and then he just starts screaming red alert to Hank. And that's because the garbage truck is there. (laughs) Yeah. And there's the two guys who are just trying to lift the couch, but it's not possible because Bill's on the couch. And And he's doing a good job. He's doing a great job, Bill. Uh, and so obviously they can't lift it with that weight on it. And it's been reinforced now, so of course they can. (laughs) And Dale has the most badass line he's delivered probably ever. It zooms in on his glasses. 
go to hell. <laughs> I think we should, we should change that to our new stinger quote for the end of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that, like, completely for no reason, they have, like, the reflection in the glasses of the guys walking away being like, well, whatever. Fuck, like somebody's going to pick it up. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, we don't fucking care. <laughs> yeah. If you leave it unattended, someone will take it away. Exactly. <laughs> And we get a quick scene here uh, of kind of – we've seen Bobby interact with Marie's friends, but now we see Marie interacting with Bobby's friends. And Bobby's meeting uh, Joseph and Connie outside, and they're kind of wondering what they want to do after school. And Connie is the great suggestion, well, let's ride bikes. And Marie's like boring. And instead, what does she want to go do? Shopping at the mall. Yeah. Why don't we just go back to school and wait for tomorrow? <laughs> that was from the son that got away. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. I just looked. I looked at fucking Joseph's face during this scene, and I was like, "Joseph, say your line." Like, it would have been perfect. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah was... Why don't we just go back to school? <laughs> Wait for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy that I got to come in again. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And what better to follow up one great clip with another great clip? For quality purposes, some portions of this telephone conversation may be recorded. Gribble residents. Hey, Dale. I just phoned to talk about the couch. You know, just thinking about the couch. Ooh, Bill, this is so strange. I was just about to call you about the couch. Yeah, you know the only thing better than talking about the couch? Hey, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'll see you out there. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, we start to see here that Dale is recording all of his conversations with his friends. Oh, it's so funny. Like, only Dale. I, like... I love, I love it. He has them cataloged. Yeah. <laughs> we don't see that to the end, though, right? No, we well, see no, it here. We see, we see it here. He puts, at the end of the conversation. He puts the name of the person he talked to and the subject the of conversation. Subject, yes. And Hank. he puts Bill Couch over top of... Hank Lawn, Hank Tools. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's something we don't see often. I mean, like, there's little sprinklings in each episode or, you know, every few episodes. But just, like, like how the guys interact when Hank isn't around, it is so funny. It's like they're always just killing time until Hank's, like, telling them where they're, like, going to go or what Except they're going to do. Except for Boomhauer. Just those yeah. two. Yeah, well, for... <laughs> Boomhauer's got a life. And I will say, I, I do like just, like, the subtle animation that they do here in the split screen of Bill and Dale talking where they have the phone cord separating the two, yeah. uh, like, images of the, the two characters. It's just a small thing, but it like it just slides up with Bill. That. Exactly. It's just subtle, but it was just really cool to just have that animated in. Mm-hmm. Just made it a little bit more fun. Cindy Tang Loveland. Yeah. She's a damn good director. Mm-hmm. Damn good. So uh yeah, so after the recorded phone call conversation we see Bobby and Marie and they're headed back through the alley again on their way home from the mall and they're talking about how Marie's like, Oh, I don't know where your friends went. Bobby's like, Yeah, like they were right behind us. Obviously Connie and Joseph were like, Okay, fuck this. Watch Bobby just suck up to Marie at the mall, like, we're out of here. We're gonna go ride bikes like normal twelve year old kids are gonna do. And uh 
Marie's like, okay, like, oh, you know, she's going to be on her way. And Bobby's like, ooh, let's, uh, let's kiss. And she's like, no, nah, I don't feel like it. <laughs> he just starts giving her the fucking gears. Yeah, he's just yeah, like. Yeah, what about mine? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched this with my girlfriend, and she fucking howled at that scene. <laughs> she thought it was the funniest thing. Yeah, so he starts just like, so, yeah, they sit down and they kiss. And she's just like, okay, then, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then she just like, I think this is the one where she's seen, like, looking at her watch yeah, behind yeah, Bobby's yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and. We notice that Connie is taking out the trash and peeks around the fence mm-hmm. to find these two necking and making out. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's clearly where the trash goes because that's where the couch went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's actually, like, like a massively, like, pivotal scene. Totally. Like, you know, moving forward in the series with, you know, between Connie and Bobby, this is the first time either one of them has um, realized or admitted that they that they like one another. And of course and, uh, it's the it's the more emotionally advanced con. I would yeah. say the son that got away is where we do see that Bobby starts to feel that way. Mm-hmm. But like I do love how this progresses. Like it totally. is <clears throat> it is it is really good for the show. Yeah, and I like that instead of going right away to kind of the most interesting part of that scene being Connie finding out, mm-hmm. we go back to Bobby at the Hill House who's just kind of affirming his love even more. For Marie. Like I said, they're at the dinner table and Bobby is just pouring over with affection for Marie because he wants to have rice and plain toast for his meal instead of the two chicken legs. <laughs> yeah, because being a vegetarian means that you need to suffer, suffer. <laughs> and eat the driest foods known to man. Yes, you're vegetarian not a prisoner of war <laughs> right <laughs> like, yeah. exactly i mean even back at the i don't know if we mentioned it in the alley scene he said he was actually joking at the food court with his friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> instead don't, of faking don't it tell don't that. tell them that <laughs> but uh anyways so um bobby lets out uh pretty quickly that they kissed and peggy just can't believe it she is in absolute shock um, <laughs> I love it like when Bobby first announces that she's a vegetarian Hank's like there it is oh, I knew there was a catch <laughs> yeah, yeah it starts with the vegetarian then they hear they kiss and Peggy just uh... oh my word Hank talk to the boy Bobby vegetarians can't be trusted just last week we caught one of them siphoning gas out of a company truck no, I was talking about the kissing <laughs> I like how does I need that to know mean? how Hank knew this person was a vegetarian. <laughs> I'm sure it was just one of those ah must be one of them vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> they were eating rice and plain toast <laughs> and siphoning gas apparently. Yeah. But uh obviously Peggy is like no Hank like I meant about the kissing. And uh that's when uh Bobby starts accusing Hank and Peggy. Because he's just like, but I'm such a great kisser. And I bet me and Marie have kissed more in this past week than you and Hank have your whole marriage. And that's when Peggy's real fucking fire gets started. She's threatened. Super threatened. Hank's just like, Peggy, please. (laughs) (laughs) And this kind of, this back and forth keep going on. And and eventually Peggy kind of ends it. Your father and I have done things you can't even imagine. Peggy, please. It reminds me when Hank says, like, Peggy, please. It reminds me of, like, when Hank's, Hank's Dirty Laundry. But he's like, you're putting my boxers out there and everybody knows I wear them? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and then so we cut away to maybe uh, Smoking Dart's favorite scene of the episode. 
I like this. I like this scene. Uh, I mean, not only because we get Luann with a, a little bit of hair going back. Stubble. I like that. You know, they're keeping it in line. It's fun. It's also interesting because like Connie gets to like rebring up the Buckley thing, but she also gets to like. She also asks Luann. <laughs> actually, can we play the clip? Uh. I'm flattered that you asked me to help you with your algebra homework, Connie. Uh, actually, Luann, I don't need you to teach me algebra. Oh, thank God. Well. And she just throws <laughs> the book. Yeah, I love it. Like, I love that that, I love that Lu- Luann agrees. Like, Luann's like, going in blind. <laughs> she's, like, going to help, but she's like, I don't know how. And I mean, like, I don't know if you noticed, but that room, it has a Yale banner and a periodic table of elements poster. Like, this girl does not need help with algebra. Is that a band? No. Yeah. Periodic table of elements? Yeah. No. They it's... rock well. <laughs> it's interesting that you see that, like, how much Bobby means to Connie. Like, she doesn't have any other one, like, like one to confide in and talk to. The best she can come up with is fucking Luann. And Luann doesn't know what planet she's on, apparently. <laughs> she's like... Well, it's also the only girl that we in see... In the neighborhood, that, Like, Connie doesn't have any other girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I, I thought it was sweet that she would ask Luann. Uh, and, and, like... And I do like that just we get to see Luann, t- like, bring up how Buckley blew up. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, but I also want to touch on how you're kind of right about Luann's demeanor. How, like... She knows she has no idea what the fuck she's doing, but she's still game for it. Mm-hmm. Like, and and exactly how she kind of feels, just the way she delivers this line gets to me. Bobby has a girlfriend, and I know it. <laughs> like, she really doesn't know what's going no. on, but she likes it. Connie kind of assumes that she does know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, to be fair, Luann was not present at breakfast or dinner. No. Which is weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For being, living at the house, yeah. And no Buckley to take her on dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah the... So what was Luann doing this whole episode? Hiding out in her room, maybe? But she's still uh, shell-shocked, apparently, I mean... But yeah, like, maybe. She, it's an abrupt end of this, like, kind of sweet little conversation that they have when she's just like, you know, if you guys are meant to be, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you and Bobby are meant to be, then it'll happen. I mean, Buckley and I weren't meant to be, and that's why he blew up. <laughs> Fair enough. But, you know, but, like, you can see Connie, like, is smarter than Luann will ever be. Yes. And, like, Connie goes to Luann because she doesn't know how she's feeling. But it is this conversation that alerts Connie to her feelings. Yeah, it doesn't really matter who she's talking exactly. to. It's just that she's talking about it. Well, she's like expressing, she's like, this is why I feel so jealous of this situation is because I actually like Bobby. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because she's emotionally intelligent enough to understand that. Well, she. this is where she clicks. Like, this is her. Totally moments so like yeah i i really like this scene just because i mean it, it is the turning point in this episode i think mm-hmm. yeah and as the as the scene ends we uh i would say this is a turning point in the series at least for connie and bobby it's a yeah it's a pivotal moment um luann's unaware of it but as the, <laughs> luann's unaware of mo- mo- yeah as the scene ends um the next day uh, I'm assuming we see Hank and peggy and they're at the hardware store do you, and- did you catch the name of that fucking hardware store 
No. The Hardware Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Hank's looking for um, – what was he looking for, Adam? Squirrel repellent for an outdoor couch. <laughs> yeah. Specifically for an outdoor couch. Yeah. And the clerk's like, I'll check. Like, <laughs> like he just You know the there. clerk went back. I guess he doesn't have a phone, but he went back and just probably fucking – Alphabetized the guitar strings. <laughs> It, yeah, like, he just he, fucked off. He killed a couple like, minutes. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh man, hello to this guy. It's like I, I, I have sh- my shoe size nine and a half. Whenever I ask a shoe guy, like, you guys have this in size nine and a half, he's like, I'll check the back. Comes back, he's like, no, we don't got that. I'm like, I know you didn't look. He's just yeah. sipping coffee back yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. I know you just went and checked your phone. <laughs> but you could see what Bobby was saying at dinner the night before is still mm-hmm. weighing on Peggy because she's trying to hold hands with Hank. Hank's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing there, Peggy? Yeah, he <laughs> immediately like grabbed, what, like a flashlight and then like a, uh, what is it, a club lock for your steering wheel? Oh, yeah, the oh, steering wheel lock. Yeah. He grabs one of those and, like, a flashlight. He's like, my hands are full. Like, yeah. I can't. And then Peggy's like, okay, maybe Bobby is right. Maybe blah, blah, blah. And then they start holding well, hands. Hank's just not a fan of the PDA. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As soon as he has his PDA moment, some dude walks behind him. Or get a room, you two. <laughs> <laughs> and that's definitely the voice of Joe Jack. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I almost thought it was Chuck. Fair enough. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and it's hilarious because immediately after that happens, Hank's hands, like, immediately go off of Peggy's and he grabs the the flashlight (laughs) and the the club lock again. And it's just like, (laughs) just for a split second. But uh, after that, we, uh, we get another montage. Is it Skinner again? Okay, well, let's go into Skinner in 1973. Are we serious? No, we're not serious. <laughs> no, we're not serious. <laughs> no, because this is when the boys play it cool when the garbage truck drives by. <laughs> and uh, and this is when they kind of show off all the improvements that they have made to it. So they pull out the couch, they unveil it because it was covered. It has, yeah, it's got the cover on it. Yeah, it had. Uh, they have. They've built an awning for it. They've attached cup holders to the side. And That's a must. And of course, they brought their trusty cooler with them. Of course. And then uh, they sat, sit down, and enjoy some nice downtime on their. Couch. I love the awning. Like that's a nice touch. Like Super why don't nice why don't more couches have awnings? Because they're inside. Well, why hasn't they marketed outdoor couches yet? We may have. I guess they have. Cool. It's just like tacky furniture, lawn furniture. Yeah, exactly. Patio furniture. Patio furniture with cushions. Yeah, I guess they've kind of done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no awnings attached. Some of the swing well, ones. Yeah, the do. swinging ones. Yeah, I guess you're right. But um, moving on, Con comes out. It's nice to have a Con appearance. Con is continuing where he left off at Propane Boom Part Two as being like my favorite fucking character <laughs> in the whole series right now. He is so funny. That is this right. This is yeah, the golden years of Con. What did you do to my old couch? We're not falling for it, Con. This was not yours. I get rid of it after the neighborhood cat come inside and pee all over it. <laughs> we tried to dump it in front of Gribble's yard, but Min cut her leg on a tack, so we dump it here. Ah, <laughs> uh, I get it. He's seen what we've done with it. Now he wants it back. Gribble, you crazy! I don't want it back. Oh, hey, I got an old pair of boxer shorts you can use as tea cozy. Want that too? Ha ha ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! 
I love that he's the only one who finds that funny. <laughs> His original plan was to dump it in Gribble's yard. <laughs> <laughs> it would have blended in with the rest of the car parts. Yeah, it would have. I love that Min cuts her fucking leg on attack. Yeah, I, I, like, dude, I... So we dump it here. <laughs> oh my god. That's just too good. I think Toby Huss likes playing Con as much as we love listening to him play Con. <laughs> I think so too. Who do you think Toby Huss would prefer to play, Con or Cotton? I think Con. I think Con too. Because Con's not as mean necessarily. He just gets to make fun of everyone. That's true. I think Con would be more fun. I mean, Cotton is. I don't know. They're both so good. Con's pretty fun. This is a conversation that we could have for probably five more seasons. So, Marie comes to the door. And uh, she meets Hank, and Hank uh, asks her how old she is, and she reveals that she's 14, and Hank does not approve of the age. I don't know what Bobby's been telling you, but he's only 12. (laughs) Yeah. He's been telling me a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's when uh, she... She mentions to Hank that I hear you don't even hold your wife's hand. (laughs) And Bobby comes sneaking out of the house and is just like, all right, bye. (laughs) And uh, Hank closes the door. And he tells Peg. What? Oh, God. That means when she was three, our Bobby was only one. It makes me sick just thinking about it. (laughs) And two years really doesn't fucking matter at almost any point. But when you're 12 and 14, it does. That's That's true. Big difference. That is true. That is kind of the most sensitive era of grade, age difference. Grade seven and grade nine. That's uh, but I mean at the same time, it is like you know you gotta grow up sometime. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Probably different being in middle school as opposed to us, where we had elementary school until we were in grade seven, and yeah, then high school. We grade. didn't have middle school. So uh, so how old were you when you had your first kiss? I think I was fourteen. Yeah, I think I was fourteen or fifteen. Pussies. <laughs> Denim and I had the actual. Same first kiss. <laughs> you guys kissed each other? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I actually remember when I was uh, it, when I was like five. I think my friend's cousin was like mm. six or seven. This doesn't count. No, I know, but she Does like. The Nanaimo Police Department need to know about this. <laughs> she like she like stole a smooch from me while we were watching Small Soldiers. And I was shook. I was like, like, and that two years there, that was a big difference. So how old were you there, Hotshot? Twelve. Are you kidding me? Grade seven. Grade seven, man. She was dating two years older. Oh yeah, you were like Bobby. (laughs) There's a reason they call me Laser (laughs) Beard. So, anyways, uh. Marie's picking up Bobby to take him to this kick-ass teenager party. And, like, going, like, like, like we mentioned, the 12 to 14, that's a significant age gap being a 12-year-old. And, like, Bobby has this line that he delivers. <laughs> and it's just like, who do you think you are? Oh, my God. <laughs> Hey, is this a make-out party? Because if it is, I'm prepared for that. And I got to mention, like, if I was 14, this would be the fucking party I would want to be at. You hear that music. You see those black lights. Like, they got posters of my favorite bands. 
Death Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> the only band. But they're dancing their fucking faces off. And I love the animation that it actually kind of looks like blacklight effect. Mm-hmm. Like all the clothing is slightly glowed and or, or dimmed if it's black. And it looks really, really well done. It for... is. It is. It, it, does, it, does, it does throw a good vibe in. And goddamn, like, the dancing kind of reminds me of, like... Um, you know, the Charlie Brown gang when they're all just hanging out on the, <laughs> the stage. Peanuts. Yeah, the peanuts when they're just kind of just dancing on stage. Everybody's doing something different. And it's just like kind of not really to music and not really dancing, but they're all just flailing around. Mm-hmm. I wonder if like maybe they wanted to be more like provocative, but like Fox was sort of like 14. Exactly. So, but, like. Cause I mean, yeah, I just I wonder, like, cause they were just not dance. It didn't even look like they were like she was just dancing in, in adjacent, like, like in a space. circle with people. Yeah, she wasn't dancing with anybody. No, like mm-hmm. there was no physical touch between anybody at that party. But there wasn't even like a like not even like a physical touch. There wasn't even like a, a unified like we're, we're doing the same together. dance. Yeah. It was like yeah. there's like four people dancing in a circle. Yeah, maybe it, to me it made it look like like they do that a lot, like these dance parties, but they <laughs> yeah. they, they all like. Not gonna lie, it reminded me of a fucking rave. Like, <laughs> this is what it ecstasy? is. Like, like, who had the ecstasy? Yeah, yeah. Who brought it? Mm-hmm. I bet you it was that fucking number 05. Who wears a jersey with a zero before the five? You just wear a jersey with the number Everybody five. Everybody who bought Fubu. Fubu. <laughs> oh my god. Is that a Fubu jersey that he's wearing? 100%. Has to be. 100%. Loser. I thought it was like him and number 72 were maybe on the same football team. No, Fubu. It's all Fubu. Marie didn't even bring her. Mall no, friends. He wasn't even it is for us, by us. Yeah. Oh God. That's what Fubu stands for. Yeah, I get it. For us, by us. <laughs> I, but I uh, understand. As Bobby is impressing these other dudes at the party, he looks over to see the Marie dancing with these guys, and Bobby loses his mind and yeah. just is like the oh, biggest. Yeah. Party. The camera spins around his head. Oh, he stops the music. Oh, he's, oh yeah, he this does. This is Bobby at Bobby's his. Worst can we like party actually foul. like just like let's just listen to the long long shot of that scene because that's a because that that's a doozy there. That's a that you feel so bad for Bobby. And this is yeah, this is Bobby being like the least likable character he's ever been in the show. I don't know if it's least likable, but it's it's pretty. Like, it was cringy watching it. it was yeah, but like, it's not because oh. I don't like Bobby. It's because it's like you feel bad for him. You do, yeah. He's he has no idea what's going on. Marie, Bobby, what are you doing? Why were you dancing with those guys? I don't know. I like dancing. I wanted to dance. Who were those guys? Why were you dancing with all those guys? Bobby, they're friends. We were just dancing. What about us? You're supposed to dance with just me. And maybe some of your girlfriends, (laughs) but mostly just me. Bobby, this is getting way too intense. We're only friends. I thought we were more than that. Bobby, you're a funny guy. You make me laugh, that's all. But we kissed. Yes, and I'm looking back now, maybe that was a mistake. Mistake! That was the single most important thing in my life! Look, Bobby, I don't think we should hang out together anymore. Just tell me why you were dancing with all those guys! Goodbye, Bobby away from it and there's like the street light reflecting yeah. down on him and he's just this sad pathetic little kid doing his 
Yeah. I mean, it's amazing they can make you feel so, so much for these cartoon characters. Absolutely. Like, it is just, it is just good acting. It's good, it's good, every, it's good writing. It's good, it's good animation. It's... And my way that I like to look at this scene is that I don't want to be outside watching that. So I'm very happy that I pictured myself inside where immediately as they left, the music got cranked yeah. right back on. Bomber. <laughs> and no, that is not house music technically, Miles. I know you asked that question. Um, I don't know exactly what I would classify that as. Probably EGM. 19. Probably. Probably like 1998 techno. Uh, I see. But, like, not, like, true techno. <laughs> kind of like Fox Network techno. Man, you should have just said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm yelling that that tree is far away. <laughs> uh, so the following scene, we see Bobby come flying into the house. He's bawling his eyes out. He's in hysterics. And Hank is... Just, I don't know what Hank is thinking. He's like, someone push you off your bike, son. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can we get that clip of Hank, too? Because yeah. I fucking love that. He's the most concerned father with the realest sort of, like, question. I love it. Somebody push you off your bike, son? <laughs> it's great. I love it. I think it's just, I think, again, this episode deserves the awards that it May or may not have won. Tune in to our interlude episode. <laughs> Catch us at the end of season three. But it uh, it also kind of just like drives home the age that Bobby is, and at least that his parents perceive him to be. Like the worst thing that could happen to Bobby, and why he's crying is that he got pushed off his bike. Well, yeah, you can. Im- I mean, like you can imagine being like a father just sitting there watching the news, and like your son just comes in hysterically crying and it's like what did someone push off your bike, son? Like, and I don't know if you noticed that he had his arm around Peg. And when Bobby, like, started rustling into the room, he yanks his arm off Peg and, like, knocks her glasses off and she has to fix them. I did Because he doesn't want his son seeing any sort of PDA between him and his wife, <laughs> a.k.a. his arm around her. It's funny. Then Peggy just starts roasting Bobby. She's like, oh! oh this is like rubbing salt on the wound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it doesn't feel so good, does it, son? I guess your love wasn't as strong as your father's and mine, now, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> so he just starts wailing and crying. Mm-hmm. I have it that he cries in three different places. This is the first time that he's crying. We see the next day he's crying on the couch with his head buried in those dirty outdoor cushions. And then Bobby, like behind his tears, tries and he explains to the guys that this is where him and Marie kissed. <laughs> and Bill is shocked. Now. Hank, that's not what this cat is for. Yeah, Hank, you know you have to put it to a vote if you want a family member to use a couch. All right. (laughs) (laughs) He now has to have a talk with his crying son on the couch to get him off. To be fair, this is an easier conversation to have than the time he was making out with a plastic head. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I I like the fact that Hank had a talk with his guys prior to this happening, that there needs to be some sort of voting system in place for Nancy, Joseph... Bobby or Peggy to sit on the couch. Or Lenore. Or Lenore. Like, <laughs> long shot. It's like, you know, they set out the rules like they did the block charter. Like, okay, we can all sit on it at this point. We can sit on it here. It's hilarious. And then the third and final spot, we see Bobby crying. He's in full 
break up mode. He's got no shirt on. He's he's wearing pants though, which is weird. You see him wearing jeans a few times in this episode, which you don't often see. He's just face into the carpet. Like, not head turned sideways, face down in the <laughs> carpet. And you can tell he's been there like a while, and there's some beautiful music playing. There's a tear in my beard. Well, he stopped crying. That's a step in the right direction. And the boys' taste in music's getting better, too. <laughs> and Hank is not wrong. If you don't know who Bobby is listening to, he's listening to none other than Hank Williams. Amen. Hank Williams was born September 17, 1923, and he died January 1, 1953. Now, Hank Williams was an American singer-songwriter who was regarded as one of the most significant and influential American singers and songwriters of the 20th century. He's the father of Hank Williams Jr. and the grandpa to Hank Williams III. Now, Hank Jr. was only four years old when his dad died. Uh, Hank Sr., Hank 1, I'll refer to him as just Williams, he went on to have 35 singles that reached the top 10 on Billboard Hot Country and Western charts. 34? 35. Thir- that's a fucking long. 35 that's singles that reached long. top 10. Um, Over how long was his career? Not very long. He died at 29, so maybe 10 to 15 years at the max. Like, impressive, man. We are that old. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> and quite a few of them, or I think five of them were released after he had he had passed away. But, uh, we got this dope-ass podcast. That's what we did. <laughs> so, Williams was born with spina bifida, which caused him severe back pain, which in turn led him to heavily abuse alcohol, morphine, and other painkillers. Now, this heavy diet of booze and drugs did not take long to take its toll on Williams, who died at age 29 from heart failure in Oak Hill, West Virginia. So we're going to listen to this sweet song and have a big old round table with Tanya for Hank Williams. Wow, 29. I didn't know that he was that young. That's super yeah. young. Mm-hmm. That's like he couldn't have been making music for more than like 10, 12 years. Yeah. Like that's like, I, that's impressive. I, I, I knew that he was like mm-hmm. one of the most respected songwriters in, mm-hmm. and, in not just country music, but in music, yeah, in American general. music, period. Mm-hmm. And like I thought that. And there was even a gap right in, in those years because his original band that he had all got drafted for World War II. Oh, and he, wow. and and he didn't right because of his, you know the, the problems that he had so he had to basically take however much time off try and find a new band and then start over again essentially and That's yeah pretty disastrous he did a hell of a lot and like you could tell how hard he lived like you see the old pictures and the videos that we were watching before this started like he does not look twenty nine man you no. could have told me he was fifty and I would have believed yeah. you like he was a hard well, man I'm, like the most I know about Hank Williams music is I had his Forty's Greatest Hits CD with double disc like I had that and like. 40, nobody gets 40 hits in 10 years. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, I have a Bee Gees Greatest Hits. It's got, like, 23 on it. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> Hank Williams, 40 Greatest Hits. Like, yeah. that's impressive, man. No, yeah. Super impressive. So, uh, Bobby's taste in music has improved. It has. I mean, what did he like? See, Kane Scredibird and the, the Stubborn Stains before this? And Eddie Vedder, or Eddie Cheddar. Eddie Cheddar, that's but right. This episode has a little something for all of us. We've got the Skinner, yeah. we've got the electronic music, <laughs> yeah. we've got some old country from me. That's right. You know what? This is a banger episode. And I'm loving the callbacks that this episode 
brings forward because um, to cheer Bobby up, his parents decide to take him on a date. And uh, they go to the Panhandler Steakhouse. Yo, I would love it if my folks were just like, hey, let's take you for a nice steak. It, on the, it would be nice. It would be nice. It would be great. And on the way there. We pe- get tacos often, <laughs> but we never get steak. No, no, we do the not. Last time we got steak, uh, we were in Vegas and I bought it. <laughs> That's actually true. Yeah, it was delicious. Um, we sat in Frank Sinatra's booth. We did. And Dean Martin's. That was actually a really cool booth. It was awesome. That's a sweet steakhouse. What's awesome. it called again? The, it Golden called the Golden Steer? Golden Steer. Yeah, I beat you to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I like on the way to the panhandler, how Peggy's just like inadvertently roasting Bobby. She's yeah. just roasting him. I'm on a date with my two favorite men. I love it. <laughs> I mean, like, and it's got to remind Bobby that Marie was with her two favorite men on the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously he's crying in the back seat. And uh, we see the hills pull up to the steakhouse that we recognize from the company man mm-hmm. when Hank brought Mr. Halloway out for a steak. Mm-hmm. And he made Peggy dress up uh, American. <laughs> and it happened to match the waitress's outfits from that episode. I believe he ordered the same steak as Bobby. He yeah. did. He it's a about, total callback. He got about one ounce into his, I think. <laughs> yeah. he took that, one is a, bite. that is a real steakhouse. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I like it. We're at the point now we don't have to do double research. Listen, <laughs> yeah. to, our, listen to our Company Man episode hey, for everything you need to, to know yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Season, season one finale. You may recognize this great line. The four top of 39 needs more iced tea, hun. 86, the jalapeno cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> Were the waitresses in this episode wearing the same as Peggy? Totally. Oh, yeah. Totally. Okay, good, good, good. Oh, they look like strippers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if I would go? do a strip club in Texas, that's what I assume they would. Dress yeah, that, that I assume sad. they'd also hook me up a steak. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, we'll be there soon enough. <laughs> I have written down in my notes that Peggy is delusional again, and I think that's referring to when she sees Marie and says, "Oh, of course, Bobby likes yeah. her. She looks just like me." That's yeah. the most delusional thing Peg said all episode. Nothing like her. <laughs> but I love, I love Marie's folks too. I yeah. love when they just start. Well, I guess we'll get there, but mm-hmm. they yeah. don't understand her either. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> they don't. And it's funny because, um, like, when Bobby sees Marie there, because Marie's lecturing the the waitress on what she wants, and it's a fucking cup of rice and mm-hmm. uh, some plain toast. And Bobby's like, "Oh no, like we got to get out of here." And, Bo- and Hank's like, "No, son, He's like, you can't leave. That means she wins." He's like, "Dating is all about getting the upper hand. <laughs> yeah. Dating is all about who wins." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of feels that way during a breakup, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, especially <laughs> living in a small town as we do, it's like, hey, you don't go to that bar. Yeah. Do we break up? This is the bar I go to after we break up. <laughs> God damn it, that's the only bar in town. Yeah. You go to the bar after I've already started drinking whiskey. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> so I can yell at you. <laughs> no, I'm going to phone you at 3 a.m. <laughs> there's two bars in this town. There's one I start at, there's one I drink whiskey at. <laughs> you go to neither. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how it goes. Break up on a Thursday, run into each other on Saturday at the same fucking bar. God damn it. There's God not many it. to choose from. Yeah, but uh, Bobby, he's got the the her or hearing Marie, uh, you know, be be who she is to the waitress. Ordering the rice and ordering, toast. Ordering that at the Panhandler Steakhouse. It fire, <laughs> lights a fire under Bobby to take on the seventy-two ounce steak challenge. That is right. And what was that challenge again? It was seventy-two ounce steak in thirty minutes. 
No, he takes longer than thirty minutes. So I it's think an, it's it's an hour. It's but an hour. The one that like the, the like the real one, it comes with it's like the full meal. There's like uh, mm. all the other like like fixins, the sides, the jalapeno cornbread. Yeah, you have to eat all that stuff. But for Bobby, it's just a steak, and I think he does it in what like thirty six minutes. Thirty six or thirty seven. Where they get you. That's that really filling. is. It, expands. it is filling. It's yeah. delicious. And, and the rules of the the challenge are that nobody can cut your steak. Nobody's allowed to help you, and if you throw up, the challenge is over. Yeah, and you're allowed to do one thing before it starts, and that's take one test bite mm-hmm. to make sure it's cooked to, to make your sure liking. And I like that he asked for it rare to really spite Marie, yeah. and it comes out with a little rare, like, <laughs> stick in it. It's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Bobby is just the number one celeb at the Panhandle Steakhouse. And I mean, like... Because I, you know, take the audio of these episodes and I just kind of look at the episode in terms of audio for a good portion, this final scene is a big chunk of this episode of just really good orchestral music and, like, tension building, rise and fall, like, Bobby going through this challenge. It's about, like, a minute and a half. I don't know how much an ounce is. Do you know how much an ounce is? Like, like, like next to pounds? Ounce of what? Gram. <laughs> like what's an ounce Powder. and a gram? Like I got uh, an ounce is twenty eight grams. One ounce is twenty eight grams. So two hundred eighty grams is ten ounces. Yeah, and so you times two eighty by seven, and then add a bit. Well, two eighty by two is basically like one pound. It's like a couple kilograms. Either way, uh, Ali Ali made me a. Beef Wellington this yeah, weekend. Yeah, I can't believe that we didn't get a chance to. I thought that was your Christmas it. gift. <laughs> it was, but like we had so much going on around Christmas that she did it like on Sunday. But it was fucking amazing. Was there uh, duck Druxels? Druxels? Is that uh, what it was yeah, called? Druxels, yeah, Druxels. D R U X E L L E. That's the mushroom stuff. That, that's yeah, the that's... paste that holds oh it together. God, it was amazing. Like Beef Wellington. Have you ever had it? No, motherfucker. That's what we, we were, we were kind of. <laughs> oh my where god! Was the invite. Okay, well, I invited him, but he didn't come. Yeah, I, I was had my own dinner to eat. <laughs> yeah, Paulie wasn't a beef Wellington. No, it wasn't. You think I'm gonna insult my girlfriend by saying sorry? <laughs> I'm gonna go have my brother's girlfriend's dinner that he she made him. <laughs> it was delicious. It we was. went we went to three grocery stores to procure all of the all of the fixins. We yeah. got the we went to Nesvog's uh the meat store. Yeah, the butcher. And they had the special cut us like a tenderloin um for it and fuck it was worth it. But we yeah, we got a pound. Did you tell them that it was for a Wellington and they were like, Oh, we'll get bring the meat from the back. Like, yeah, <laughs> bring out the good stuff. Pretty much hundred percent. Yeah. Well, because they don't have they don't just sell that in the case, right? Mm-hmm. We had to say like I said I wanted a pound of uh, beef tenderloin fillet, and I said I needed it for beef Wellington. So he was like, "Okay, I know what you're talking about." And then she went and cut it up and brought us back a thing. And did he like tip your his hat to you and just be like, "Nice work"? <laughs> did he shake your hand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, beef Wellington is pretty much my new favorite thing. I mean, yeah, it was is amazing. I would and, love to find but it. I I had half of it one night, and then I had half the next. Because it was a lot of beef. And I don't know, like, I mean, it was only a pound of beef, but that's a lot of beef. A lot, yeah. I mean, like, what's the usual steak? Like, 10 ounces? Is like... uh, I think even yeah, like smaller eight, if you go to, like, eight, eight, yeah. eight ounce. I think eight is a pretty average. And then, like, if you're going to get one of those, like, medallions or whatever, you can get, like, a six ounce or whatever. Yeah. If it's, like, a really good cut or whatever. But I would say eight is, like, a, is Standard. your average one. I think bigger than that is, like, a, a large size. Right. It was Texas, though, 72 ounce. Yes. Anyway, Fucking I just big wanted to put a perspective. I also wanted to brag a little bit about my yeah. beef Wellington. All right, well, 
Break time's over, darling. The kitchen's backed up. So we get through this entire kind of challenge that Bobby's going through. He and makes it through the stake, or and we see like you know everyone's like as Detta mentioned, we see Marie's parent parents are cheering for him after Marie's like, oh my god, Bobby, you're just making a fool of yourself. And the the dad's like, I you're a steak eating machine. I love her dad. <laughs> Just look at that kid go. Yeah. And uh, Marie's mother is voiced by Joanna Gleason. Oh. Who voiced Peggy's mother in I Remember Mono. Oh. Joanna Gleason makes... one. Yes. Uh, Joanna Gleason makes eight appearances in King of the Hill. Any relation... To Jackie? That's the thing. When I see her name, I'm like, oh, she's another celebrity. I look her up and it's like, she is, she's not a celebrity, but like she's in a lot of stuff. But I, I always assume it's, yeah, Jackie Gleason and something like that. But no, she's. No, hey. Oh, like, just. Oh. If I ever went into like the acting industry, I want to be that kind of thing where like you, oh, you have constant work, but you're not a big name. You're just, yeah. you're just there. You have a yeah, just change my name to name. DiCaprio. And then everybody's like, oh, are you? Like, Denim, Denim, Di- Denim DiCaprio. I don't like it. It's like, well. I mean, don't tell him, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't bring it up ever. <laughs> yeah. Save me money. But um, at the end of all the joy of jubilation at the Panhandler Steakhouse, Bobby completes the 72 Steakhouse Challenge. There is one moment of uh, of wariness where we're not sure, but he only pauses to undo his belt. Uh, and un- that is a classic pants. move. That's a player move. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I mean. Player Bobby's wearing pants. Does, maybe it was because it was a special date night with the fam. Maybe he's just in his heartbreaking uh, attire. But yeah, he's not wearing his usual green short pants. That's correct. And uh, when he wins, everybody celebrates. And, and he's got time to spare. And he had another 25 minutes or so. Well, that's where the cornbread goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. But uh, you're right. He is a steak-eating machine. And... Uh, the two uh, lovebirds that can't control their excitement <laughs> and affection are uh, Hank and Peg, but they're quickly interrupted. Hey, you two, I'm trying to eat. <laughs> it's good to see the explosion hasn't affected Chuck Mangione that much. I, I mean, like that he's just here no. for two episodes in a row. Like, hell yeah. It's like, why not keep him around? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Just get him to record a whole bunch in one day and throw him over. I. <laughs> I I really wish there was like some groupies at his table. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck Mangione hoes with him. I just picture him living above the recording studio wherever they do this. And he's just kind of a resident. But uh, of course, it's a win for Bobby. Uh, It's a win for the Hill family. And they drive home quite victorious. Mm -hmm. And Hank's kind of giving, not, not. He's giving Bobby not necessarily a lecture, but he's giving him a good, you know, talking to about, you know, what he did and, you know, this and that. And then also he's just like, the, the, the couch is gone. Because he's, yeah. he's, you know, he's saying to Bobby, he's like, it's, you know, can't get too bent out of shape about I'm, these things. I'm sure like, Hank's, like, really impressed that Bobby's over this vegetarian thing with a vengeance. Oh, my yeah, God. Literally. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, know, I looked, like, I Googled 72-ounce steak. Today and I was just like, oh my god! It's like these, like it is so big and it's like the size of my chest. Well, that's why I was trying to wonder because like I had the pound of beef and I, I had to have that over two sessions, so like I wonder like how big the seventy-two ounces in pounds like is that? Dude, it's massive. It's like like the keyboard part of your like like the bottom part of your laptop and then another half of that. Like I get a like, small laptop. It's like this big and like it's always just like uh, accompanied by like just sweaty dudes just like shoveling <laughs> it in their face. The Diner's one... driving to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as Hank's giving Bobby this little pep talk or whatever the hell it is, he's just like he's like, oh my god, the couch is gone. He can see the 
the three other guys are standing around the alley looking Crying. like one of them just died. <laughs> Dale, Dale's sobbing violently. <laughs> we didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. <laughs> and uh, that's when Bobby's greeted by Connie, who uh, doesn't really understand where he was or what he was doing uh, because he starts to puke violently. And uh, she's like, oh, man, you must be really torn up over Marie. And Bobby explains that it, it was the steak challenge, not not Marie. And she's like, oh, well, in that case, do you want to come over and watch some TV? Because <laughs> you hear more. Everywhere. And, you don't have to watch TV. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's kind of a nice way to, to kind of end it. And, and the episode ends and we get a nice little, uh, during the credits, a phone call mm-hmm. that I assume is being recorded from Dale's side. Yeah, it's a very strange scene that I don't think anyone's really meant to know the answer to. And it's Bill sitting in his house sitting on the couch that everyone assumed was stolen bill i guess dragged it by himself down the alley and into his house and now he's using it as his own personal furniture which is just so strange and yeah. it's just like i don't, don't well, want to get into it it kind of it reminded me because i watched the episode a couple times through uh he's he's sitting on the couch in front of those yellow drapes and when he's on the phone with dale you can see that Dale's kind of basement. He's got a lot of stuff in the basement, you know, shelves and tables. And you look at Bill's house, and he's just got blank wall with a with drapes on it, and it's just so bare. And so he's just been waiting for that couch. That's why he loved it so much because he literally didn't have anything there before. Well, yeah, I mean, the way I took it was like, first of all, Bill was the one who ta- phoned Dale to say like I'm just thinking about the couch. <laughs> yeah. So like Bill is sitting at home alone. He's standing at home alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually that would be a good question. I would like to go back and watch that scene. Was he standing when he was he standing phoned? when he phoned Dale and okay. there was no couch. But yeah, so but that's the thing is like he's standing alone at home thinking about the couch and like Dale is preoccupied with lots of other stuff. Boomhauer, he's got his shit. He's got a life. <laughs> and Hank, I mean the whole show is about Hank's life. Bill has nothing. Bill is just trying to hang on to this awesome time. And, like, rather than, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, it's not going to matter for another two, three years until the boys set foot back in his house for the Super Bowl. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's right. <laughs> you know, like. And it's funny because, like, when he's talking on the phone and we kind of, like, zoom in, like, out to see him on the couch, you get a little look at Bill's living room. Mm-hmm. And he's got, like, a dead plant in the corner that's, like, been dead for years. And he's got his his coffee table. is like, coming back. <laughs> Yeah. His coffee table is like one of those the spool. spools. Spools? <laughs> like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sad. And, and yeah, and you know, I, I feel like yeah, and like, and that's it. Like he called Dale, talking about the couch. He's and like originally, like earlier, and like mm-hmm. yeah, he's just sad and wants to hang on to some good memories and that's have right. them in his house and so, all the things he loves. He well, wants to bring in. What does he say to Dale? He's like, we we were getting dependent on the on the coach, yeah. right? I guess. I know, Dale. I I know. I I miss it too. Did you guys know that Leonard Skinner formed in 1964? All right. So with the end of the episode <laughs> comes our final thoughts. Let's go around the table. All have a little chat about how we felt about the episode. Let's start with not the Skinner fan. Okay, that means I'll start. <laughs> You're not a Skinner fan, bro. I mean, just. Talk miles, just don't yeah. listen to him. Uh, great episode, I loved it. I think it was a really good one to follow up with, like the high drama that was Propane Boom Part One and Two. Uh, Peggy was great in it. Con was amazing. Um, 
yeah, I don't, I, I couldn't find any, anything to pick apart about this episode. I mean, the, the guys had like just like such a funny side plot. That mm-hmm. coach was hilarious. It was, uh, yeah, Con, Con was so good. I just, yeah, I, I really enjoy this episode. And just yeah, how they, how they laid out the ground, the groundwork for, for Connie and Bobby. Like it wasn't rushed. It didn't feel forced. It was like just the first step in like their, you know, their budding relationship. And yeah, and yeah, the music was great. Yeah, that's a. Uh, there's a couple of really good points that you made, like how the relationship of Connie and Bobby is a big picture thing. Um, so the whole episode was about Bobby and Marie, but just having that kind of Connie interaction helped the overarching story progress, which was awesome. And I, I don't think I mentioned it in the episode. In the very first scene, Dale has a stick in his hand that he pokes the couch with, and I just wanted to point that out, and I thought it was funny. I thought this whole episode was incredibly funny. Like this is – I remember I was saying that all oh, the first episode of season three really didn't make me laugh as hard as others, blah, blah, blah. This makes me put my foot in my mouth because it was hilarious. I had multiple belly laughs and multiple viewings and I was excited to like show my girlfriend this episode because I wanted to see like her laugh at the parts that I laughed at. And like it was just such a good King of the Hill episode. So – um, I mean, yeah, the music, everything, you name it. It was great. So I'm going to give this uh, three Hank Williams and 72 ounces of sweet meat. Nice. That's nice. 100%. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, I agree. I think this, this episode has heart. This episode, heart first and foremost, I mm-hmm. think. I think that's why it won any potential awards that it may have won. <laughs> may or may not. <laughs> Allegedly. Sustained. But, yeah. It, it, uh, furthermore, it, it is – I think it's just it's just hilarious. Like it is – it is – this this episode is a really good promise of I, what I know is to come in this season. Um, I mean I know we said it before. And we'll say it again, but this is the golden years of King of the Hill. And this is, I think, the ep- the, the the scene when when Connie and Luann are talking to each other about how Connie kind of, like, realizes she likes Bobby. I think that that is, like, a good turning point for, like, the heart that the show actually touches on. And it, it is only possible after we set the stage of Arlen, like, and even in this episode, going back to places like the Panhandler, like going like just like these play the the town and the people in it become so we know them by now, and like it they the stage is set to tell some really great stories, mm-hmm. and I think this season especially has the best stories that King of the Hill tells. Well, shit, I'm fucking pumped, <laughs> and I hope you listening at home, at work, in the car, in bed, wherever you are. Are pumped too. Red rum. Buy our merch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with that, well, wait. Let's give out the. How do we get to the merch? There will always be a link in our Instagram in the description of this podcast. Um, you will find. Is it on Twitter? Can we set it to be? On we Twitter? can. We can put it on Twitter. Is we'll put it on, it on our Facebook page as well. Uh, the link to our uh, storefront where you can buy t-shirts, you can buy sweaters, you can buy mugs. The stickers look pretty dope. The stickers are good. Um, I've bought a crew neck. It's fucking comfy. Um, So please uh, show us 
the merch if you buy it. Let's see if you like it. We we want to. I know to... there's a few of you out there that have bought it. That's true. That is true. We've seen it. We thank have you enough... to those. Yes. Big thank you to those. Honestly, it, it's it's great. I hope uh, our uh, our man Tyler is repping the big boy sizes. Oh, we got him. We got him. We got him. We got him. Fellow truckers on lock. That's right. So with that, can I get a final round table? Wimatanya. There's a tear in my beer Cause I'm crying for you, dear You are on my lonely mind Into these last nine beers I have shed a million tears You are on my lonely mind I'm gonna keep drinking until I'm petrified and then maybe these tears will leave my eyes there's a tear in my beer cause I'm crying for you dear you're on my lonely mind last night I want to hear more order of the straight arrow Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Yeehaw! Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us. Go to hell.